This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. is Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome. I'm Stephanie Longmuir and you are listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9 where we aim to provide a vehicle for the allied supporters to stand up for our GLBT and I community to encourage and create greater inclusion, share stories, give advice, create dialogue or introduce a new way of thinking. And most importantly, facilitate change towards greater acceptance of our rainbow family in all its shapes and sizes. Thank you to Ben and Matthew for the informer and Chris and Cam and Tristan and crew for the CNC Drive Factory and, of course, to Tim for the news. Sunday, May 15th, is the 33rd International AIDS Candlelight Memorial. Coordinated worldwide by the Global Network of People Living with HIV, this year in Melbourne it will be hosted by Living Positive Victoria. On tonight's show we have Max Niggle, the Positive Speakers Bureau Coordinator with Living Positive Victoria, who will tell us about next Sunday's event and his very important work. And I'm hoping also a little bit about his life and his own journey through HIV. So welcome Max and thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for inviting me on to the show. It's a pleasure. And I'd also like to welcome my fabulous co-host, Clayton, who every week dispels the myth that men can't multitask (laughs) by not just contributing to all of our discussions over these past few weeks, but also operating the panel. So good evening, Clayton. Good evening. Max, I thought I'd begin with the event, Sunday the 15th of May. So not this Sunday, but next Sunday and ask you firstly um, to perhaps give us some of the details of the event and also a bit of a background to the AIDS Candlelight Memorial, when it started, why it started and how it's evolved. Okay, so the event that we're having uh, this Sunday week is um, at the City Square at 5pm. Uh, it is a very short 
Memorial. It only goes for an hour. Uh, it is hosted by Joy's own Adam Samuel. Yes. We are really privileged this year to have Rowena Allen, the um, Commissioner for uh, gender, al- gen- gender and Sexuality, as our keynote speaker. We've also got uh, two HIV-positive speakers, and this year we are focusing on youth and how HIV affects youth. So these are younger speakers than we normally have, uh, and their stories will be quite compelling about what it's like to be diagnosed more recently with HIV. And our entertainment, because we believe that with a memorial, we also have to think about people currently living with HIV, not those who have just who have died in the past. So it, it's a, a fine balance how we actually get that to work, uh, to remember, but also to reflect upon people who are now living with HIV, some whom have been living with it for a very long time and others more recently diagnosed. So music is really important. Music is very healing. And uh, so we have the fabulous low-res male choir, once again, on uh, as doing all three songs, which are quite uplifting, but also one that is a very reflective song. And how do you pay, pace the music through the service? Is, do you open with a piece of music? or? Oh, well, all will be revealed on the, on the night. No, um, we will start off with some music. Right. Um, and then the running order uh, embeds um, a few other songs there. So it's all, it is more important to hear the stories of the speakers and, and to hear even from Adam about why he was asked to be the MC, what, it, what he thinks about... Uh, understanding HIV, how he um, can challenge HIV stigma and discrimination, but also as a younger person, that he is a new voice and we need to empower those new voices. And that is, you know, a question that I was really wanting to ask. Why did you choose younger speakers this year? So the theme of this year's memorial and every year the uh, Global Network of Positive People uh, uh, decide on on a theme Now, um, with some background, we have got um, an enormous challenge ahead to reach what I call the 2020 goals, and that is 90-90-90. 90% of people diagnosed, 90% of people on effective treatment, and 90% reduction in stigma and and deaths from AIDS. So um, the theme that they chose is engage, educate, and empower. Now, if you want to empower people and educate them to stop the HIV virus, or HIV virus, that's a tautology, um, stop HIV being transmitted, we actually need uh, to have an ongoing discussion with the broader community. And here in Australia, we have a situation where uh, there is still a, a sense of, oh, HIV doesn't concern me. So if we, part of my work working with school students is to educate them at a younger age. But let's think of a, a person, heterosexual, who's come out of a relationship in their 40s or their 50s, and then suddenly they're starting to date again. Are they aware of safer sex? Are they aware of getting regular testing for sexually transmitted infections, let alone HIV? Are they going to travel overseas? Are they actually going to decide to have a holiday romance with you know, a handsome person that they've just met? These are the questions where we need to continue the education of all generations. But more importantly, if we are to stop HIV in its tracks, younger people, we need to seek to educate. Max, how young are the younger people you're educating at the moment? In schools, uh, mostly year 10s. However, increasingly, with the support of secondary school nurses who are, are absolute allies in this, 
because our speakers make such a difference. Increasingly, we're getting years seven, eight and nine. And do you know this is I have I have two sons who one is in year ten, one is in year twelve, so um, sixteen and almost eighteen respectively. And in all of their years of sex education, there has never been any discussion mm. about same sex relationships. Really, and it troubles me. And I've spoken to different you know I've spoken mm. to different leaders of the school about it because how do you you know how are these people made aware? If they're not educated about, you know, what is safe sex? I mean, everyone knows what safe sex is between, you know, male and female. But but what about same-sex relationships, you know? Yeah, exactly. So our speakers, many of whom are gay, um, can talk about safer sex for heterosexuals and for um, people who identify as gay, lesbian, transgender and intersex. All of those um, acronyms are at risk when when you think about it. One of the first chairpersons of Positive Women, Victoria, was a lady called Sonia Ristoff. And she was an openly positive, HIV positive and hepatitis C positive lesbian woman. Quite a remarkable advocate. So let's just not think it doesn't affect gay men. But when it comes to education within schools, we have in Victoria, with the Victorian Education Department, a fantastic curriculum tool. And that is called um, Catching Online. It's a whole tool that enables teachers, principals, to actually do a full curriculum around sexual health and well-being, talking about safer sex and respectful relationships. But you do need committed teachers and secondary school nurses to get this up. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that. We have got Max Niggle from Living Positive Victoria in the studio this evening. If you have a question for Max, send it in on 0427 Joy 949. You are on Joy 94.9. We will return with Max in just a moment. Join Living Positive Victoria and the Victorian AIDS Council for the International AIDS Candlelight Memorial on Sunday 15th of May, 5pm at the City Square. Be a part of a global mobilisation to educate, engage and empower everyone around HIV. To pause and remember the loss of 35 million lives to AIDS. To reflect on how we support 36 million people living with HIV and AIDS. To call on everyone to challenge HIV stigma and work towards a future free of HIV and AIDS. Hosted by Joy's own Adam Samuel with keynote speech from Rowena Allen, Victorian Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality, HIV positive speakers and music by the Low Res Male Choir. Joy is proud to support this community message. Joy 94.9 and Living Positive Victoria present We're All In This Together. HIV AIDS in 2016. Hey, I'm Ruan and I volunteer at Living Positive Victoria. To me, the memorial is an opportunity to honour the ones who've gone before us and also to look to the future and to educate our communities and improve the lives of our brothers and sisters who follow in our footsteps. Head to Melbourne City Square on Sunday, May 15 for the 2016 International AIDS Candlelight Memorial, supported by Joy 94.9. International AIDS Candlelight Memorial is an event in partnership with Living Positive Victoria and the Victorian AIDS Council, made possible with the support of Joy.
Hi, this is Adelaide, and you're listening to my mum, Stephanie, and Michelle on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. You are on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Clayton and Stephanie tonight. Michelle is off again this week. She will be back next week bright and perky. And we have in the studio Max Niggle from the Positive Speakers Bureau. Did I get that right? Or, yep. Yeah. Oh, cool. Excellent. Now, in that last block of um, announcements, we actually heard two of the CSAs for the memorial. Um, one was the general one, and then mm-hmm. also we heard a, a, one of the Positive Speakers who yep. might be speaking on the night. That's <laughs> right. Yes. How'd you guess? <laughs> I don't know. Some clue around. I'm not sure. Um, it was. I did actually put that CSA together, and it was a great. I really enjoyed doing it because yeah. it felt... Um, very positive to actually do it. So yeah, yeah, and, and else- they're really enthusiastic and wanting to do it too, and they wanted to keep it really mm-hmm. sharp and punchy. Mm-hmm. How did you choose the two speakers for the day? Because I imagine in your stable you have quite a number of speakers, Max. Yeah. I mean, we've got about sixty-five speakers on our books, wow. of which only about half are really active, mainly because people are living well, working, studying, families, yeah. travel. All those things. But when you look at the theme of the memorial for the year, you then look at how we want to structure it here in Melbourne. What is our focus? We decided youth. So I started to look at um, who might be able to do it, who's got the confidence, uh, who can actually stand up in front of a, you know three or 400 people mm. and uh, who can really tell their story really well. So part of it is almost intuition. And, of course, you sound them out gently first because it's quite a challenge to think they're going to go and do that. And and both of these younger speakers are reasonably... Uh, uh, have not been as in long-term involved with the Bureau. So they've been going uh, in one instance for only about um, 12 months and the other one has only recently come on board. So you, you take a punt... Yeah. But you just you see this enthusiasm, this desire to change people's thinking and that their work uh, and volunteering with us has really driven them to be uh, able to do this type of work. And that strength to be able to get up there in front of that bigger crowd and talk yeah. about um, your life and yourself mm. and your experiences is amazing. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Max, when I was um, reading through some information for tonight, I was looking at candlelightmemorial.org Mm-hmm. And it said on the site, for many organisers, community mobilisation for the Candlelight Memorial begins on World AIDS Day on December 1st and ends with the memorial in May. Has this been the case for Living Positive Victoria? And, and, and I mean, how much work goes into organising this event? Oh, <laughs> I think if anybody knew how much work went into it, they'd be shocked. But <clears throat> we actually have a break after World AIDS Day and that's, you know, I take a bit of a holiday and try to recoup some energy but we really start planning um in february as to what we're going to do and leading up to that you just do little bits here and there and start to build momentum but the last three weeks are crucial especially when it comes to promotion um so world aids day is a quite a different context for us because we always have our health minister launch it uh it is about involving um government to community, but this is very much a grassroots, global community mobilisation. And how much coordination is there between the international organisation and um, more regional um, organisations, let's say for mm. Living, Posi- Living Positive Victoria? So uh, we're, we're really blessed um, with uh, what Global Network um, Plus does in setting up the website because every year they provide us with posters 
<clears throat> so the lovely um, poster that you have seen mm-hmm. um, with the candles, that yes. came from them. Last year it wasn't as appropriate, so we used one of our photos from the memorial. And what they also provide is uh, it's all in different languages, so anyone around the world can utilise their resources. They have a whole toolkit, so anybody who's never done one before can actually do a memorial. So it's, a, it's of great benefit to amateurs. And, and let's remember that these memorials can be held in villages in remote Africa. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I did click on a, the events tab and I looked at the countries that and, and some of the places where some of the events were being held. Hmm. Yemen. Belize, Liberia, Nigeria, Pakistan, Uganda, you know, places mm. that aren't necessarily safe places yeah. to be um, part of the GLBTI community. Mm. And as you say, and, and then when they were listing, you know, they're listing the countries and then they were listing the towns. Mm. And as you said, you know, some of them were small towns. They weren't the big yeah. cities. They were. So when you're looking at countries like that where you're not getting a lot of access to treatment, uh, well, diagnosis, let alone treatment, care and support, and that uh, HIV is devastating those communities and AIDS is still a real problem in many, many countries, uh, people are dying and people who are most affected are women and children. So let's not forget that this is a heterosexually driven disease and that the responses from these communities is about trying to preserve their community, trying to get their members of their community to survive. Living in a Western community, it can be difficult to understand that we often see it as a as a gay disease, but at a global level, it's much more a heterosexual disease. So it's those communities are looking at it from a very different point of view than we are. Yeah. Yes, and obviously not getting the same support and um, healthcare hmm. that we have here. So is there shared information? between the organisations? Not really, no. It's all done on the web. Right. Uh, but we do put in reports and photos every year, so you, know, you can always look to see what other countries have done. But most of these events are, are held outdoors. We make a deliberate choice to hold it outdoors. If the rest of the world's doing it, let's do it ourselves. Candles, of course, we can't have in buildings in no, Australia. No. So, and even though we now have gone to battery-powered candles, um, because all the candles kept blowing out with Melbourne's wind, sure. um, we had to be aware that we, we couldn't have live flames. And so how do you cope with weather? I mean, is it just fingers crossed, yeah, and yeah, um, bring your brolly because Melbourne can be, you know, everything and anything? Having been born and bred in in Melbourne and Victoria, um, I think Melburnians are all attuned to the weather Mm -hmm. and they all come prepared. Uh, But think of standing in 40-degree heat in a desert community or think of being in the highlands in Papua New Guinea where they hold a service in their village and it's outdoors. And it could be cold or it could be incredibly hot. We're going to leave you with that thought. In just a few minutes, you're going to hear more from Max from Living Positive Victoria about the... Engage, educate and empower the AIDS Candlelight Memorial. You are on Joy 94.9. Hey, my name's Adam Samuel and I'm an announcer here on Joy 94.9 and it's my absolute honour and privilege to be the MC for this year's International Candlelight Memorial at City Square on the 15th of May, hosted by Living Positive Victoria and the Victorian AIDS Council. So this year's theme is all about engaging, educating and empowering young people on HIV. And people living with HIV come from very young in their teens 
listens to a lot older. And with thanks to treatments such as PrEP and PEP, campaigns such as the Enough campaign that fights stigma, we can really make a difference in the lives of everyone living with HIV. And I empower you all to come down on the 15th of May to the International Candlelight Memorial at City Square here in Melbourne and really make a difference. Show your support to people living with HIV and pay your respects to those in our community who have unfortunately passed away. My name is Richard Keane. I am the president of Living Positive Victoria. I remember being involved in those first memorials where our community came together to grieve, support each other and hope for change. 25 years later, that legacy remains. I choose to use it to engage, educate and empower this generation and the next. I will never forget to remember, but a new light shines for me. A light of hope, of life and its infinite possibilities. Rowena Allen, Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality in Victoria. I think the International AIDS Candlelight Memorial is really important because we spend a lot of time running around very busy trying to solve problems and uh, I think it's good that we take a time to sit, remember those that we've lost, remember how far we actually have come and hopefully it empowers people to keep fighting. The vigil's important because there are a number of young people that weren't around through the struggles of the early 80s and the epidemic and I think it really helps to educate people and keep that alive and fresh in our history constant. Hey, I'm Ruan and I volunteer at Living Positive Victoria. To me, the memorial is an opportunity to honour the ones who've gone before us and also to look to the future and to educate our communities and improve the lives of our brothers and sisters who follow in our footsteps. My name is Sarah and I'm a member of the Positive Speakers Bureau. To me, the memorial means a time to look back at the past, to reflect and to learn from it. History is our best teacher, and through education and engagement of those around us, we can change how HIV is viewed in the future. Be an ally. Talk it out. Educate yourself. Stand up straight on Joy 94.9. Thank you for joining us. You are on Joy 94.9. I am Stephanie Longmuir. I'm joined by Clayton this evening and also Max Niggle, who is the Bureau Coordinator at the Positive Speakers Bureau. Max, what is the Positive Speakers Bureau? Okay, so it's made up of HIV positive speakers, effectively. Uh, The Bureau has been going since uh, the early 90s when in the midst of the hysteria around AIDS... Uh, many, many positive people decided that they had to take matters into their own hands. They decided that to humanise the face of HIV was the only way to challenge the mythology and the stereotyping and the stigma and the discrimination that was occurring back then. So the, the first brave group got up and started doing this. They did it as volunteers. They had little training and it just grew and grew and grew. And in the mid-90s it was flourishing And uh, Peter Davis, who's still one of our speakers, um, was the Positive Speakers Bureau coordinator way back then as a volunteer. Gosh, and Max, I read in your bio, you have been with the organisation since 1999? Correct. Yeah, so that's a significant amount of time too. So what changes have you seen during your time? Oh, lots. Well, I came there as um, 19 hours a week executive assistant and a a little line in the position description said, and re-establish the Speakers Bureau. So I had to um, literally put in a whole new program of training, administration, and rebuild the capacity of speakers. We only had five left at that point, 
Gosh. And I just mentioned we have around 60-odd. Yes, yeah. So what I've seen is this this huge development. Uh, and way, in, in 1999, there were three HIV-positive speakers bureau with straight arrows for heterosexual men, uh, with positive women, Victoria, mm. and at that time, people living with HIV-AIDS, Victoria. I decided that it, we had to bring them together because we're all competing and to bring heterosexuals, bisexuals and gay men together into the same room, there was a lot of trust to be built. But that trust was literally um, an overnight sensation that we then started to get heterosexual and bisexual and gay men going out to speak together. Suddenly they're hearing each other's stories. They identified similarities. They realised that we are all in this together. We can all make a big difference. So that sharing, that mentoring, and the most amazing thing to see, and it gives me still gives me goosebumps, is that they become friends. So the two positive speakers that we're having at the memorial have become firm friends. Oh, that's interesting. So you know, this is fabulous that this has now been going on for three decades. It is, and so tell me about some of the. Um the exciting early events. Are there, are, are there any that really stand out in your mind? Anywhere you were concerned about hostility or, or the way you were going to be received? Or do, do you know, I've never had that fear. Okay. And I guess it was the work of the people before me that smoothed the way. Uh, and what I find, it's the allies in the schools and the universities and governments and not-for-profits they're the ones that smoothed the way for us. So a lot of the work's been done. There are a few instances where schools have said no. And it was really unfortunate because the teacher that wanted our speakers was very confronted with the principal's decision. And I bought in, you know, the Catching Online resource with the Department of Education. I bought in the Victorian Charter of Human Rights. And, of course, he tried all of that and, and thanked me profusely. But... We are overwhelmingly accepted. We make such an impact as speakers in, in so many environments. People come up to our speakers still and hug them and then suddenly disclose that they may be same-sex attracted, that they may also have somebody who's been living with HIV or they had an uncle who died of AIDS. Quite extraordinary. So we seem to be constantly creating a community of understanding. So what actually goes into um, speaker training? So they go through, um, first of all, I don't actually actively recruit. It's word of mouth. So okay. the, the, the trained speakers are the ones that are the best ones to promote the benefits of being a speaker. The biggest benefit is living, li living openly with HIV. So anybody that's coming to us wanting to be a speaker has to acknowledge that they will be using their name that right. they will need to understand that they're comfortable with disclosure. Yeah. You know, we have a big fear of public speaking in the broader community. Most people fear it. Absolutely. But not only that, so they've their fear of public speaking, but the fear of disclosure. Let's ask the question why 80% of positive people probably don't disclose more openly. Fear. So our speakers are a pretty unique lot, and they would call themselves the ultimate form of peer support because they support each other through it so much. Interview the speaker in an informal manner. I don't do formal assessments. They write a biography, then they go into training workshops, and we run two different workshops. One is called The Basics of Public Speaking, so all the fundamental frameworks that you need 
to get yourself on the way. A little bit of practical work, but a lot of theory and, and explanation. The second one's called advanced communication, and that's about refining your messages so that you don't go off on tangents, that you don't just waffle, because we all love telling stories. Mm. But what is quite compelling for me is that the speakers say, I actually, I want to do this, but I don't think my story's really interesting. I can assure them that everyone's story is interesting to the audience that we speak to. So we do the formal workshops. The second workshop, they do a lot of practical work. They form into small groups, so they, they're actually mentoring and training each other. We set the framework up, and then they've got to time themselves, speak to the subject matter, cover the subject material. <clears throat> but from then on, we do coaching. So it's personal narrative coaching, so it's one-on-one training with real request forms from schools or agencies to address the particular subject matter. And they've got to do it in a time format. The structure's got to be right. The sentences have got to flow. They can't leave people hanging because they haven't finished the structure of a paragraph. Those types of things. But also how to embed health promotion messages. How to inform people to have good sexual health knowledge but also to be able to make informed decisions when they for example may be compromised by alcohol or drugs Mm. or when the pressure to have sex is being put on them not only that we also make it very a a little bit more formal by by in all schools we do a um a powerpoint presentation called hiv and sexual health and we couldn't just focus on hiv we had to actually focus on sexually transmitted infections and knowing that chlamydia dramatically affects people from 15 to 25. So we link the two, you know, sexual health checkups, including HIV. Don't just go for one checkup for chlamydia, go for the whole suite. Embedding those health promotion messages can be done by personal narratives and experience about sexual health checkups and use of condoms and lube and safer sex. But the reality is, Some schools are a little reluctant for us to talk about that. So doing that PowerPoint presentation, we work with the Department of Education, Catching Online, Project Officer, and we also work with Family Planning Victoria school educators to get our language right. And we don't have any problem doing that. But the beauty of the PowerPoint presentation is that the speakers can get all of that information out of the way and focus on their personal narrative. Speaking of personal narratives, we would like to hear a little bit about your personal narrative, Max. <laughs> so we have got Max Niggle from Living Positive Victoria with us in the studio tonight. Um, if you have a question for Max, please send it in, 0427JOY949. We will come back with Max's story in just a moment. You're listening to Michelle on Stand Up Straight on JOY 94.9. She's my mum. Thank you for joining us on Stand Up Straight. Tonight you are on Joy 94.9 and we have Max Niggle with us in the studio from Living Positive Victoria. Max, having read your biography earlier this week, I felt a little bit um, silly emailing you today to, to ask if there were any no-go zones tonight <laughs> in, with questions that I can ask um, because it is a very frank account of, of, you know, a big part of your life. But before I go into the nitty-gritty, I just wanted to ask you, the song that we played earlier that you requested, why? Well, I think it frames um, what's happened to me. I survived when so many didn't. And um, to be confronted with an HIV diagnosis back in uh, the late 80s and then AIDS-defining illnesses in 88, uh, I'm being told I've got six months to live. And that was the era of disco, and that was my love, and that's what I loved doing, going out, dancing, drinking, having lots and lots of fun. 
And um, the song resonates for me in many, many ways because it talks about fear also, um, concerns about survival. And that's what I had, huge concerns about survival. When people, friends, family and lovers around me were really worried about my survival, I was determined I would survive. So I had a little phrase back then, naive as it was, called, this virus is not going to get me. And it's interesting, Max, because it says here in your bio, Max is described as a long-term survivor and one of about 100 Australians who have survived the ravages of AIDS diagnosis of the late 1980s and the early 1990s. So you are... A national treasure. Oh no, I don't think so. I think I think I'll 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 defer on that. Um, but thank you, and you made me blush. Um, <laughs> there are there are so many people back then who I regard as the true heroes and and national treasures, and uh, they were the ones that made the difference back then. I was not actively involved in the early days. I wanted to live my life, and actually um, just work, renovate a house, travel all those normal things. Yeah. I didn't want to focus on HIV. So being a long-term survivor, and I'd like to clarify that, there were many people who survived with HIV in that era, but most people who contracted AIDS-defining illnesses did not survive. So when you know, looking at that data, thinking, geez, there's only about 100 of us that, with AIDS-defining illnesses that actually survived that time, it's pretty remarkable. How, where, when was your turnaround? If you had that AIDS-defining illness, yeah. what, what happened? Was there something that came, a new drug that came onto the market that, that helped you? Was it luck? Was it yeah. denial? What, what was it that got you through yeah. that six-month period and then onto the rest of your life? Well, there's no effective medication back then. So the only drug that was available was called AZT. And uh, it was the only hope that we had. However, the dosages given back then were so high the side effects were, were incredibly difficult to manage. And you know that your, your um, immune system is collapsing. Mm -hmm. You know you're more susceptible to infections and diseases that most people don't get. But there was something to hold on to. But the most challenging part was going to Fairfield Hospital, to outpatients clinics and daycare, and actually seeing people there one week and then gone the next so you're constantly confronted with death. Um, how I got through that as an individual, I just think it was grim determination, but also a sense of wanting to live. The turnaround really was 1996. We, we sometimes say 95, but finally more effective drugs mm. came on board. So up until then, we were dealing with less effective drugs, significant side effects, lots of lost weight, nausea, diarrhoea. Suddenly these new drugs came on board in 96. And it was too late for my partner who died in 1995. Um, but what we all saw in the space of two years was suddenly our immune systems were recovering. Suddenly the side effects didn't seem to be as bad. And suddenly we were putting on weight, we were exercising, we were re-engaging with life. Max, where did you find the strength not to give up after you lost your partner? Um, I th look, I think it's you, you have to accept that death is part of life. And if you grieve for the rest of your life for the loss of a loved one, I don't think you really ever recover. And 
part of me was it, it was a relief for him yeah. to die. And it was a relief for me because I cared for him at home. Yeah. And I had a fantastic group of VAC volunteers and Royal District Nursing Service helping me do that. But it was the support of my mum and dad and my family and a few very close friends that made a big difference. And I wanted to ask you about that. If your family had not been so supportive, do you think that it would have made you more reluctant about disclosure? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, look, um, I had a huge fear about telling my parents because it was what I called the triple whammy, which was um, mum and dad, I'm gay. This is when I was 33 and I've been out for, you know, nine or ten years. Within, when you say you'd been out within your um, social group but and friends, but, but not with your family. Yeah. Right, okay. Hadn't been out. Oh, my sister always said she knew. but <laughs> um, So I had to say, I'm gay, I'm HIV positive and I've got an AIDS-defining illness. And, and the first 11 months from my diagnosis, I told so few people. I kept an absolute secret. Um, I'm about to move into a new house with my partner to renovate and mum gets sense, a sense or finds out from work that I'm in Fairfield Hospital. And she was a nurse. Mm. So she was trying to ring, trying to ring, but of course they wouldn't put her through. She finally um, called me, uh, or, or I said, yes, I'll talk to her when I was starting to feel a little bit better. And um, um, she said, I'm coming down. I need to talk to you. What's going on? And I said, Mum, I'm not going to talk to you over the phone about this. But way back then, there was a show called A Country Practice. <laughs> yes, and Molly. One of the, and one, yeah. of the, one of the cast members died of AIDS. Oh. So there was a little bit of, and it was a woman from memory. Um, so Mum comes down, helps me move gets me into bed and then I have to tell her and of course there is a lot of tears a lot of concern but she's a very stoic and but also caring wonderful person who just envelops everyone in her love and um, I said mum I'm really worried about telling dad I've always been concerned that he will um, reject me as being gay that's the reason I haven't didn't tell you from when I was 24 when I realized I was and she said, a defining thing to me was what people do in their own bedrooms is none of my business. So I thought, this is fantastic. But the big fear was, was her going home and telling Dad. And he called me. And um, he is a very pragmatic, stoic, highly educated man who does not show emotion. He said to me, Max, if I could take this virus away from you and give you a normal life, I would. Let me tell you, I love you and I'll support you all the way through. Those were the words that I needed to hear to have the strength, I suppose, to yeah. keep going. It, and I bawled my eyes out afterwards. <laughs> and um, my partner at the time said to me, if that's going to be the way that you're going to respond when you tell somebody you're positive, don't do it anymore and don't tell anybody about me. And so. Max, I'm sorry, but you've, you've made me tear up too. Oh, so, Max from Living Positive Victoria uh, on Stand Up Straight this evening. We will come back with more from Max in a moment. Come with me and we'll be in a world of pure frocculation. Hello, lovelies, it's Frock Hudson and you're listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. 
Thank you for joining us on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. We have Max Nickel in the studio with us tonight and we've just received a really great message. And I'm going to read it out because um, it's come in from Jonathan from the Yarra Valley and he says, what a great program tonight. I haven't listened to you in ages living out in the Yarra Valley. Thank you, Max, for sharing your story. Because of tonight, I'm going to come along to the vigil on Sunday week. Hugs, Jonathan. Quite yeah, remarkable. Thank so, you, Jonathan. Yeah, and thank you. I mean, thank you, Max, for sharing your story. It is, it's really powerful stuff. And part of the reason for having this show tonight is to get people along to the memorial. So it's great to, at least for one person, we've achieved our objective. Yeah. Exactly right. So we should probably talk a little bit about the memorial before we, we finish up. Because it, it's yeah. not this Sunday. It is next Sunday, which is the 15th of May. It is starting at 5pm. Mm-hmm. We have got Rowena Al- Allen. Yes. We've got our very own Adam Samuel, who is going to be hosting the event. We've got Low Res, and I know there are singers from Low Res who are also Joy Volunteers, so mm-hmm. they're going to be singing on the afternoon. Um, what else can we expect, Max? Well, let's hope we have a big crowd and hopefully some of our straight allies think about coming along and showing support because it's your support from way back when that made the difference for us. So, And let's acknowledge everyone now living really well with HIV that the medications now are so good that we don't regard ourselves as being infected with HIV. We regard ourselves as living with HIV. It's really important at these memorials that we acknowledge people now living with HIV. And the people who are not doing as well. And that's the thing. And that's what you talked about earlier in the show about getting that mix right Mm. of remembrance, um, but also of thanksgiving, you know, of of coming together and and just acknowledging that, yes, you are still here and, you know, you are well and healthy and living Mm. your life to the fullest. And uh, I mean, isn't that wonderful? And so it it is, it's an uplifting event, but it is also a memorial. So, you know, it is a time to remember and to pay tribute to those who have Mm. gone, gone ahead of, ahead of us. So we are almost at the top of the hour. We are going to be be vacating the studio any moment now because we have got uh, Spirit Lounge coming in for a big show tonight. Do you have any final words, Max? I'd just like to thank you for being on the show tonight. It's great. Um, And I'd also like to thank you, Clayton, for all of the work that you've done in putting those community service announcements together. They're quite inspirational to me, and I've been doing this for a long time. So thank you. A big thank to Jason Gibbs as well, who worked on them with me. Yeah, Jason was was fabulous last year, and I could see his influence coming through Absolutely. So um, it was a great pleasure to work on them. Yes, and you will be hearing more of them over the next 10 days on Joy, so listen out for them. And please do come down to the memorial on uh, Sunday the 15th from 5pm in Melbourne. At the City Square. At the City Square in Melbourne. Uh, You have been on Joy, 94.9. And I was just going to finish off by saying I won't be at the memorial, unfortunately, because I am heading off to Japan for two weeks, so I will see everybody in three weeks. (gasps) Clayton, thank you. Thank you for all your help tonight and over the last couple of weeks, and we look forward to you returning in three weeks' time. Good evening, And thank you for staying with us on Joy 
You can find more Joycast and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.